Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church's podcast. We are so excited to present our new sermon series, You Asked For It, where we hit the top six topics requested by all of you. Hope you enjoy. We are on a very fun sermon series, a six-week sermon series called You Asked For It. Uh, On Easter, we handed out a survey to about 500 different people, and we got those uh, responses back. We asked them, what do you need to hear a message on? What do you need to be encouraged in? And I was so proud of you, uh, this church that we have, because the very first thing you asked was, how do I share my faith uh, with people? Which I think that question will change the world. How many people believe that? Yeah, I just believe Jesus Christ has the power and the ability to change people's lives for the better and the good. So I'm grateful uh, that you asked that question. But while the first question has the uh, power and ability to change your life, uh, this next question, you ask, change the world, this next question that you asked has the power and ability to change your life to change your circumstances, to change your relationship status, to change uh, your financial status, to change you in every sense of who you are. But uh, before I get into that, I want to let you already get a sneak peek on next week. You asked one of my favorite topics next week, and uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, You asked, how do I manage my time? Come on, somebody say amen to that. Got a lot of things on my plate, and I don't know what to do. I'm, like, cooking with this arm, and I'm, like, writing term papers with this arm, and I'm, like, eating with this mouth, and I am just don't know how to balance it all, and I don't want to spoil the surprise. All I'm saying is, in order for me to communicate next week's message, I had to hire a contractor to build something to share with you the fullness of the word that I think God has. So I don't want to hype it up or anything like that. I'm just saying, if you want to be here, okay? Just want to be here. It's going to be good. But the question... What you asked today is, how do I pray? God knows all things, guys, because today is when we kick off our 21 days of prayer. And you asked the question, how do I pray? So I'm like, I got the best church in the world. Other people asking how I can make more money. Our church is asking, how can I tell people about Jesus and how can I get closer to him? Amen. And so I love that question. Now, I should say, as we begin to go into prayer, oftentimes whenever we talk about church terms or church concepts, I got to get real creative because we're a church who invites people. I love it. I love that you invite people, and I love the people that you invite because you be inviting some crazy people to Journey Church on Sunday morning. Yeah, you probably know who you are right now. Your friend invited you because you're crazy. Uh, no. And, and I'm grateful for that because we understand that as our church, we have a responsibility not just to grow the faith of the believer, but to introduce true hope, true love, and true faith to the unbeliever, someone who doesn't follow Jesus Christ. So maybe this is your first time in church, or it's been a while since you haven't been in church. I'm grateful that I don't have to get creative with this topic, because whether you've been in church or never been in church, prayer, although it is not universal, and by that I mean we don't all do it the same way in all the four corners of the earth, it is global. People pray everywhere. People pray in the northern hemisphere. They pray in the southern hemisphere. People pray in the west. People pray in the east. People pray in the middle east. Buddhists pray, Hindus pray, Muslims pray, of course, Christians pray, Jewish pray. Uh, Even a study found that 30% of atheists pray at least sometimes. 30% of atheists admit to praying at least sometimes. Now, I bet I can guess what times those are. (laughs) I'm just saying. I know when you're praying, you're praying when your girlfriend's late, and I'm not talking about late to the party, if you know what I mean. You're praying. You're praying. (laughs) If there is a God, oh, please, dear Jesus. I know when you're praying. You're praying right when you passed that traffic light and you could have sworn it was yellow, but you think it might have been red and that could have been a flash. 
You know what I'm saying? And you're like, was that a, was that a, oh no, I cannot afford another ticket, Jesus. Please, Jesus. I know when you're praying. I know, and, 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 and on a more serious note, probably could be praying when you get into the doctor's office and he says, hey, did you notice that there was a lump on your chest? Did you notice that there was a lump behind your neck? And when the word lump comes out, I don't care what you believe about God or who you believe God is, you start having a conversation with the sky, right? Because that word sometimes is an indication to why prayer is so global. You see, there are times in our life where we get so desperate, times in our life where the pain is so real, times in our life where the problems are so confusing that we cannot find the answer within ourselves. And when we cannot find the answer for the situation or circumstance that we are facing within ourselves, we just instinctively begin to reach outside of ourselves for the, for the thing or the person or the higher power that we cannot find within ourselves. That, 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 that's what prayer is. And, 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 and I'm grateful that we have that need because it's almost like we were born or created or wired to understand that something outside of us can do what we cannot do. And that is prayer. You know, if I had to summarize prayer, I would summarize it like this. Prayer, it does what you can't. Amen? Prayer, it does what you can't. And so if your name is Sarai and you're 90 years old, and Sarai's looking up at me like, my name's Sarai. Um, if your name is Sarai and you're 90 years old and you haven't gotten pregnant yet, guess what? Prayer says it might be impossible and there's nothing within me literally biologically that can make this happen but if i pray the god of the impossible can step into my impossible situation and give birth where there was where there was no life if you're Daniel and the lion's den, and they say, hey, if you pray one more time, we're going to throw you into the lion's den. The lions are going to eat you up. You're thinking that's okay because there's nothing that you can get me into that prayer can't get me out of. Right? If you're Jesus and your best friend Lazarus has been dead for four days and everybody's around thinking, mm-mm, he th- he's, a, he's a son of God. Surely he could have saved them. And they start pointing at you, oh, if you're a Christian, then life is supposed to be all this and it wants to be all that. Guess what prayer says? Prayer is Jesus standing in front of the tomb saying, God, I'm talking to you out loud just so they can hear me. I mean, I know we talk and we have a relationship, but I need them to know the power of prayer. So in my name, <laughs> I love that. He's so cool. We say in the name of Jesus. He's like, <clears throat> me. In me. He says, Father, he, like, he can skip the whole in Jesus' name because he's there. Father, Lazarus, come forth. And all of a sudden, what was dead comes back to life. Prayer, if you are in a situation that is impossible, if you are in a situation where you cannot find the solution, if you are in a situation today where you don't see the outcome, let me point you to the solution. Prayer, when you pray, God can do what you cannot do. He can do what you cannot do. Somebody give God praise. Come on, that's good. That will make a great t-shirt. Prayer. It does what you cannot do. Or a coffee cup. Prayer. You're looking into the morning, you're drinking. Amen. Come on, Jesus. It does what you cannot do. Make a cool bumper sticker. Prayer. It does what you cannot do. But I got to be honest. Can I be honest? It would be really easy for me to continue along that logic and get everybody in this place real excited. Prayer. 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 If you just pray. Ah! It don't happen. I just shouldn't have done the tongue thing. That was gross. God will answer. It could be real easy for me to just, just throw that out there and, and, and leave that and, and, and leave that there and just say, and that's all you need. But anybody who's ever prayed would have some questions. Because it's not the power of reaching out that moves us. It's feeling like someone is reaching back. Here's the educational guess I had to make. When I saw the question, how do I pray? 
I had to make some guesses because I'm trying to figure out where you are in life so that I can speak to you. And, and here's what I'm decided. Here's the leap that I made. And, and you say amen if I made it right, or you can stay silent because that probably means I made it right too. But this is the guess that I have. I don't think you're asking how do I pray because you don't pray. I think you're asking how do I pray because you've been praying for the same thing over and over and nothing's happening. I think you're asking how do I pray because you're praying, but you're not he's feeling God speak back. You're not asking how do I pray because, because you don't get on your knees, because you don't sit down, because you don't have a conversation with God. You're asking how do I pray because you're praying and it's frustrating you because you don't feel like someone is listening. If I'm, if I'm right, just blink at me, nod at me, do something. Go ahead. Somebody's having a seizure in the second row right now. Just like, yes, yes, that's me. That's me. That's me. Amen. This message is for you. Now, I could sp- spend the next 30 minutes explaining to you that emotion and, and then really get you to em- you know, empathize with it and then tell you the solution. But I, I don't have a lot of time. And so what I did was I asked our worship team if they could put together a song, a cover of one of my favorite songs. First time I ever heard it was on The Voice. I don't watch it no more, that show. But I did, used to. I heard this cover of that, of that song, and I, and I thought, I don't know why, who wrote that, why they wrote that, but I'll tell you what, when they wrote that song, I felt like that was my prayer. Like, like that, that song was, was my prayer life. And so I want to introduce the song. Isaiah and Hillary are going to perform it for you, and, and then I'll get back into the word. It's also, it's not just the title of the song, it's also the title of today's talk. So... Listen, sometimes a song can speak better than words, amen? Sometimes songs can capture emotions better than words, so I pray this blesses your life. Say something, I'm giving up on you. Sorry that I couldn't get to you And anywhere I would have followed you Say something, I'm giving up on you And I am feeling so You're the one that I love And I'm 
saying goodbye Say something, I'm giving up for you I'm sorry that I couldn't get to you And anywhere I will follow you Say something, I'm giving up on you Say something, I'm giving up on you Say something Jesus, if you don't say something right now, I am out. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there on the edge of your desperation? Like, where are you, Jesus? Say something. I don't even need a yes. I'll take a no. Have you ever been so desperate just for a word? Like, like do, I, do, I, do I go or do I not go? Like, I'll take a no. At this stage, I prefer no. Just say something to me. Uh, if, you, if that's you, I want to encourage you. You're not alone. The disciples were there. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Be encouraged. Even people who've been following Jesus. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of, he went to, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. You see, in, in one verse, you miss a whole story. Because what had happened was, Luke 11 is already three years into the journey. They're on their way back to Jerusalem for Jesus to be crucified. After three years of following Jesus, they're watching Jesus pray, and the Bible says that when he finished praying, they looked. So you got to imagine, there is a crowd getting around. Like whenever Hillary and Isaiah sing, like a crowd gets around. I'm just like, wow. People did that for Jesus' prayers. They got around him, and they were like, did you see how he just prayed that? And then God did that. And so you got these disciples who are three years following him, and after three years of following, after three years of obedience, they still can't pray like Jesus prayed. And so they're not telling us, teach us how to pray. They're telling us, teach us, they're asking him, teach us to pray like you. Because when you pray, God moves. But when I pray, nothing happens. After three years of following you, you told me to leave my family. I left my family. You told me to abandon my job. I left my job. Have you ever done everything right and God still not do his part? Have you ever done anything right? You, you, like you, you're in your word, you're coming to church, like you're doing the right thing, but God still doesn't seem to be moving. Isn't that scary? Like it's one thing to know, like if I was living in disobedience, then I'd be like, it's my bad. I shouldn't have gotten drunk last night. But it's another thing to do everything right, to have everything in position, and still God, there's a frustration that sits in. In my kid's bedroom, there are three beds. Two that they sleep on, one that they occasionally sleep on. Justice has his bed, Zane has his bed, and if you follow my family on Instagram or my wife on Instagram, you'll know that we also have a teepee, like a real deal teepee in their bedroom with like a big cushion on the... Now, they don't always want to sleep in the teepee, but you know when they do want to sleep in the teepee? They want to sleep in the teepee when the other kid wants to sleep in the teepee. That's what happens. As soon as one kid is like, I'll take the teepee, it's a royal rumble, okay? People throwing, you know, over the, over the, over the ropes. And so, so recently, uh, nobody wanted to sleep in the teepee, and that Zane said, 
I want to sleep in the teepee. And Justice said, no. I want to sleep in the teepee. It's my turn. Because they take turns. And the person who sleeps in the teepee last has to give it up for the next person so they can sleep in the teepee. And so Justice said, it's my turn. I said, but Papi, I said, but Jane got on there first. And then Justice said, no, no, but it's my turn, Dad. So I, 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 when I get in those situations where I don't know what to do, you know, I'm godly, you know, I go to the Holy Spirit. And my Holy Spirit illuminate right now the son who, which one of them is a liar, Lord? Tell me right now, Jesus. So I did like Solomon did. You know how the Bible book Solomon, there was a, a baby that two women were arguing over. And so he threatened to cut the baby in half. And then the woman who was like, nah, you can have it. That's the baby. So I was like, guys, I'm going to burn this teepee. Whoever really wants it, I'm just I didn't do that. I did go to the Holy Spirit. Her name was Liz. I went to her and I said, I said, babe, I said, who was the last person to sleep in this teepee? She was on the phone. She was talking to her. So she just said, Zane. No, she said, uh, Justice, it's Zane's turn. Because Zane's her favorite. And so um, she just went to that automatically. Went to that. And so, and so I, said, I went back. I said, I said guys, I said, uh, Mommy said that you step in the TP last doesn't that it's Zane's turn. And so that's parenting 101. Husbands, blame it on the mom, okay? Blame it on the mom. So I said, Mom said, you mad at me. Mom said that uh, Justice, you stepped in last, and he's what he tells me. He starts to cry. He had never said this before. He's like, Dad, I swear. He goes, I promise. Dad, I promise. Zane slept in the TP last. I promise, Dad. I'm like, but mommy said that she, mommy's wrong, Dad. And Zane is a liar. She's like, Dad, I swear, I'm not making any of this up. Mom's wrong and Zane's a liar. Zane slipped in it last. And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. We got to do what mom says. So we do the whole thing. And then I make this whole thing with him. I'm like, listen, I promise we're going to keep a record. And I got a notebook. I had to show him the notebook. I'm like, Zane slipped in it. Next time you'll get it. Finally goes to sleep. I go to Liz. I'm like, babe, like, Justice was really certain that he did not sleep in the tent last. And she's like, oh, my goodness, that's right. He didn't sleep in the tent last. Zane slept in the tent last. And, and I got to think, I got to wonder how many of us empathize, empathize with, with justice. But I, I waited my turn. But I did the right thing. Why is my father not giving me the thing that I deserved and worked hard for? But I promise. But God. Come on, have you ever cried out a but God? But God. And we don't have no evidence but the word. Right? But you said but he took your last. I want you to know, David, the King David, not just the disciples, empathize with you too. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Psalms, that same exact feeling. Psalm chapter 69, verse 2 and 3, it'll be up on the screen. David said, this is frustrating. This is frustrating. I've come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. He's saying, I'm doing all the right things. Why are you not talking to me, God? Again, in Psalm 77, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. Are you hearing this? He's doing the right things. 
He's, he's distressed. He's in despair. He's going through hard difficulties, and he's crying out to God like the Bible says he did. But doesn't the Bible say, asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find? Well, certainly that's his experience. I guess it's not. At night, I stretched out on tiring hands, and God came in and rescued me. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? Is it on the screen? Is that what it says? And God came in and saved me, and I felt his presence like never before, and I would not be comforted. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy, though I call and cry for help. Ooh, listen to that. He shuts out my prayer. Have you ever been there? My God. You're doing everything you're supposed to be doing, and God is supposed to be responding. Like the Bible says that he was supposed to be responding, but he's not responding. Now, I get confused because the people who are writing these stories are the heroes of the faith. You got King David. I'm talking about David and Goliath, King David. I'm talking about the book of Psalms, King David. The Bible, the, the one who the Bible says it was a man after God's own heart. If God can't hear his prayer, what hope do I have? I'm talking about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, the one who said, for I know the plans the Lord has for me, plans to prosper me, the hopeful prophet, the prophet who said there's a fire in my bones that I can't, I can't put to rest. I got to tell people about Jesus. If God can't hear their prayer, what hope do I have? And I was confused. I was confused until I realized that whenever their heroics were spoken about, it was other people writing about their heroics. But whenever they were given a pen and some privacy, it wasn't the heroics that you heard. It was their hurt and their pain. Because this, listen to this. <clears throat> Oftentimes, we judge people by the external fruit of what God is doing in their life. But what we don't understand is what we are seeing is really the second half of their journey. Because if you give them a chance to talk, they're not going to tell you about the heroics and the win. They're going to tell you about all of the desperation and the pain and the times when they were praying and it didn't feel God hits. Because you know why? Because it was those moments that allowed, enabled, and broke through for them to get to the other half. And so they're like, you're focused on the heroics. But if you focus on the heroics, you're going to be chasing fruit. Don't chase fruit. Find seeds. Plant seeds so that God can, so God is talking, so, the, so they're coming together and they're talking to you about the seeds. And, he, and he's highlighting the seeds. You can't, that's why, that's why you cannot judge. Your behind-the-scene, backstage, authentic, broke-down self to somebody else's production version, filtered, makeup, done-up highlights. You can't, you can't do it because they're showing you the second half. What you don't know is all the work that it took to get there. Are you following me? I love what, I love what Christine Kane said. She said, she said, she said, oh, once, I don't know if you know who Christine Kane is. She's an evangelist, and she preaches to millions of people every year. And one day, uh, someone gave her a microphone, and they said, hey, I know that you're, you're, uh, you're, praying, you're preaching to millions of people right now. And how does it feel to be an overnight success? She said, overnight success? She said, yeah. He said, I mean, what were you doing before you were preaching? Because it seems like you came out of nowhere. She said, oh, yeah. I'll tell you what I was doing. This is what she said. She said, for, 20, for 12 years, for 12 years, I drove, I drove the youth group in the church van. She said, so overnight success, that was one heck of a long night. One heck of a long night. See, we don't see the other half. And you know what? I strategically left the other half of this verse out. I'm going to go back. Remember I told you about Psalm 77? I only gave you the first half. Let me give you the second half. Now it's about to get encouraging. Psalm 77, verse 14 and 16. You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people. The descendants of Jacob and Joseph, when the Red Sea saw you, oh God, its water looked and trembled. Look at the exclamation points. The sea quaked to its very depths. 
Jeremiah, who was all like, you sapped up my hope. I got nothing left, Lord God. Just a couple verses later now is thinking, but you are the God who rescued the Israelites from Egypt. You went through the Red Sea. Praise the Lord. My victory is coming. Either he's bipolar or he knows something we don't know. I'll tell you what he knows that we don't know or that the Bible tells us, but we haven't caught on to yet. He knows how the story ends. See, because he's going through the frustration, but he looks back and he remembers. You know what? I remember in the Bible that there were a bunch of people who were frustrated, but they were only frustrated because they were on one side of the Red Sea. But then God intervened. They walked through, and on the other side of the Red Sea, they were praising God for what on the other side they were frustrated at God for. But you were the one that told me to come here. You were the one that told me to leave. And now you leave, and there's a big sea in my way. But then they get through the sea, they come to the other side, and they pray. But you know why I couldn't tell you the whole thing? You know why I had to stop short? Because if I had read you the whole passage, you wouldn't have been able to empathize with the pain because the glory, oh my gosh, the glory of the ending would have outshadowed the frustration of the beginning. So, so the thing is, when you understand the glory that is wrapped up in the ending of your story, you can make it through the beginning because you know how the story ends. You know God's going to rescue you. You know he's going to deliver you. You know he's going to come through and rescue and pull you out. And you can make it through. See, if I had read the whole verse, you would have been like, oh, oh, he's sad. Oh, he's sad. Oh, he wins. Praise God. God wins. Yeah, but where are you at in the story right now? Because some of you guys are on the precipice of the first half, about to quit, not understanding that it's just the first half. And if you make it through to the end, God will deliver you right there. You're right there. Just keep on going. Keep on walking. Keep on praying. Keep on pushing. Keep on moving. The second half of blessings about to come. The, the sea's about to split. The, 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 oh, my goodness. You got to keep going. Keep going. You're only in the first half. Let me read to the other half of Lamentations. This is good. Real good. Can you tell I'm excited? Because I'm living it right now. Because I believe this church is in the first half. Anyway, 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 Lamentations 3, verse 8. It's just me. It's just me. It's just me. I'm just God's message to me right now. If this helps you, it can help you. It's helping me. So I say, look at Lamentations 3, verse 18. This is to say, my endurance has perished. My hope has perished. This is, this is Jeremiah now. He's all depressed. Lamentations, by the way, is a book of depression. <laughs> okay. If you ever want to be sad, just read Lamentations. It literally means my, my cries. You know, just because some people think that if you're crying and you're going through stuff, God's not with you. And there's a whole book in the Bible in there called, called My Cries because he wants you to remember that that's when he's most with you. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the, and the gall. My soul continually remembers and it is bowed down within me. So, so what I wanted you to catch there in verse 18, go back to verse 18, was, was my hope has perished. Somebody say, my hope has perished. Say, my hope has perished. Now, I, want, I need you to repeat that because I need you to understand what's happening. He's praying, and while he's praying, his hope is being drained from him. Have you ever had a prayer that God did not answer that actually had the opposite effect of the thing you thought that that prayer would have? And so your pastor says, hey, you need to pray because prayer is going to get you through it. So you pray, but God doesn't give any answer. In fact, it feels like he's further than ever, and the hope that you were hoping God would give you actually gets drained from you because of the silence that you're hearing from heaven. Has anybody ever been there, or am I just preaching to myself? Well, then talk to me, people. I'm just asking you a question. Have you been there? Okay, so if you've been there, you can relate. But I love how he keeps going. Look what he says, the very next verse, verse 21. 
So my hope is perished. My hope is perished. My hope is perished. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope. What in the world is happening? In the first part of the passage, he's saying, I got no hope. You're sucking up on my hope. You're a hope sucker. I'm praying, and you just, I got none of it left. But in the next verse, he's saying, and now I got hope. How is it? You don't understand how prayer works. In prayer, the very same prayer, I'm going to have to give you an example in the natural for you to grasp it completely, so just bear with me. In prayer, the very same prayer that drains you of hope is the very same prayer that fills that hope. You say, well, how can it be? That's impossible. Have you ever been to the gym? We got a very unhealthy church. People don't go to the gym here. Have you ever been to the gym? Raise your hand at me. Can we be interactive? Church is only fun if you're a part of this. Okay, you've been there. Okay, okay. Have you ever lifted a weight? <laughs> and, and have you ever lifted a weight? And I expect a lot less hands to go up for this. And you haven't lifted weights in a long time. And have you ever lifted a weight and thought, I'm pretty strong? No. Never. You get in that gym for the first time, you see that like little 120 pound girl throwing up 135 on the bench press, you're like, we'll get up on here and put these 25s, I'm gonna get there. You get behind 25, you're like, and the thought that plays your mind is what? I'm so weak. Have you ever been to the gym and felt weak? Isn't it interesting? The same thing that makes you feel weak is the thing that makes you stronger. Can I stomp? Like I get excited when I stomp. That the very same thing that sucks the strength out of you is actually building the strength within you, somebody. Let me give you another example. I took my son outside to play baseball. He's not an athlete yet, but I'm trying to get him in on it. Justice. I got him with the bat. You know, I told you Zane, he, he, he's given up on baseball, I think. He don't want to. I have him in the outfield now. <laughs> he's in the outfield. Um, I'm pitching to Justice. Justice swings and he misses. And he gets upset. And I say, well, Bobby, we're going to have to swing again. And he swings and he misses. And he swings and he misses. And after five swings and he misses, he looks at me and he goes, I'm no good at this. I don't want to play no more. I say, you just got to keep on swinging, Bobby. Because practice makes that's what I tell him. Practice makes perfect. And so he swings again, and he swings again, and he swings again. Maybe six, seven times he missed. I'll do it again, and then boom, he launched that ball. Now, maybe that's just a father's eyes, the filter. It went far, okay? It went into the street, at least the street. I remember that. And when he hit it, I was so excited. I was probably more excited than him. But after he hit it, he looked at me, and he said, he said, he said practice makes perfect. And then he looked at me, he said, throw it again. I was saying swing again, and then he said throw again. Isn't it interesting that the very thing that exposed his inability was the very thing that developed his ability? I'm trying to tell you that prayer often feels like it's not working, like you suck at it, like nobody's listening, like God's not. But it's that frustration that is actually developing within you the strength to pray like you've never prayed before. You're building 
your building. So here, listen, you're praying for your mom and she ain't healthy yet, swing again. You're praying for your business to grow and right now it's flatlining, swing again. You're praying for that husband and that wife and you're still single, swing again. You're praying for your brother, your sisters, your cousins to know Jesus, but it just seems like they're getting crazier and crazier. Swing again, 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 swing again. Swing again. And let the ability build up inside you. The thing that God's called you to. Swing again, somebody. Maybe that's why Jesus' answers to how do I pray was a parable. He says, he says how, how do I pray, the disciples say. Jesus says, I'm going to tell you how to pray. And he gives them a story. Luke chapter 11, verse 5 through 8. Same story. That was amazing if you read it. Then Jesus said to them, this is how you, I'm going to tell you how to pray. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. I mean, this is a parable on prayer. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, look at verse 8. I tell no, no, no. I need to pause. Well, I'm going to take verse 8, and then we'll come back. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of the friendship of the relationship, some of y'all guys are just relying on the relationship you have with God. You're saved. Amen. You're saved. You're going to heaven. Amen. You got a relationship. But, 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 but there's something that God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And so he's not going to just fall back on the fact that you have a relationship. He actually wants to develop that relationship. And so sometimes he does certain things that will build. But this friend was relying only on the relationship aspect. Verse 8, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your, can we say, all say this together, your shameless audacity. Ooh, audacity. I got like a whole thing on audacity in this I can't even get to because we're already running out of time. Um, but he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Here's the frustration in that. You got this guy coming to a friend. A friend, mind you, not a stranger. A friend. A friend is supposed to be there for you, isn't he? A friend is supposed to have your back. A friend is supposed to defend you to other people. A friend is supposed to encourage you when you need. Have you ever, has someone ever, have you ever placed an expectation on a friend? And then when the time came, it turned out that that expectation was not met by that individual who claimed to be your friend. But then when the rubber hit the road, when it actually cost them something, there was no friendship to be found. Have you been there? Well, I think that's the inherent risk we take in interpersonal relationships, which is human beings. It's just, we're flawed. My question is, are we supposed to place that risk on God too? Is that the message of this parable? That sometimes God will do it and sometimes God will won't. We just got to be okay with God not doing it. And is, 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 is that what God's trying to tell us? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. So what, what, what's, what's going on? I mean, because I, I don't get it. You know, what's interesting is that the friend responds. Why, why do I make that point? Well, I'm just saying, if you came to my house at midnight, about can I have some sugar? I won't even talk to you. I'm gonna pretend like I'm sleeping, and you're gonna knock, and you're gonna knock, and I'm gonna be like, basically, like, babe, do you hear that knocking? Nope. Mm-mm. But not this guy. This guy actually has the gall to say, "Who is it?" <laughs> Rob. What up, Rob? Can I get some bread? No. <laughs> he didn't even pretend to be sleeping. What's the point I'm making? He heard him. 
Also, if you read, it wasn't that there was no bread available. He made the bread. It was that he didn't want to give it to him. So on top of that, he heard him, and he has the resources. And on top of that, it's a one-bedroom house. I'm just saying, the Bible says that him, see, that's why you got to read the Bible slowly. The Bible says that, that the father and the sons were in the same bed. I don't know if you've been to a one-room house or seen a one-bedroom one house in, in the Middle East. It's like, here's the bedroom. Here's the bread. Here's the door. What a jerk. Why is he a jerk? Because he, he hears them. He has the resources, and it wouldn't even be hard for him to do. And I think that's the same reason why we get mad at God. But hold up. I know you hear me. Don't pretend like you don't hear me, God. I know you hear me, and I know you have the resources. I know you could do this, and I know that you're God, and it wouldn't even be hard for you to do it. So if you hear me, you have the resources, and it wouldn't be hard for you to do, why haven't you done it? Is there something wrong with God? The answer to that question is always no. In fact, the very next parable after this one is a story about a father whose son asks him for fish. And the Bible says, would a father whose son asked him for fish give that same son a snake? Certainly not. If you ask for a fish, God's going to give, if you ask your father for a fish, God's gonna, the father's going to give you a fish. So if, if an earthly father knows how to be generous, then how much more our heavenly father knows how to be generous? So the issue with the reason why your prayer has not been answered yet or why you feel like God's not listening is not because God is mean, God is upset, or God is not generous. He is all those things. He is generous. He has mercies on you every morning, and he thinks about you. He loves you, and he hears you. So why? Well, if it's not on God, and it's the two-person equation here, then the issue must be on us. There is something that happened between verse 7 and 8, and I don't know exactly what happened, but, or how it, so I'm going to have to use my imagination. But in verse 7, God said, I'm not getting up and getting you the bread. And then in verse 8, he says, okay, I'm coming. What happened between verse 7 and verse 8 that God got up? Let's read verse 8 again. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, what changed in verse 7 to verse 8, from verse 7 to verse 8? Not that the person was asking. What changed was the way that the person asked. You think, well, that's, that, that seems pretty petty of God. No, no, because God has a higher calling gotta understand God is not really concerned about what he can do for you he's more concerned about what he can develop within you and so sometimes my wife won't give my sons things because of the way that they asked mommy can I have can I have a, a ice cream silence mommy can I have an ice cream silence mommy can I have an ice cream silence mommy can I have an ice cream silence until what oh, mommy can I please have an ice cream yeah it's deeper than my wife trying to teach him I gotta sit down. Is deeper than my wife trying to teach him manners. She wants to know that the place from which he's asking is a place of generosity and not a place of. It, it belongs to me. Because the Bible says 
that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when God is trying to affect the way you speak, it's actually because he's trying to affect your heart. And when you're, and the way you speak is how he knows what's in your heart. And so he's having a conversation with this man saying, I'm not going to answer you because of the way that you're speaking. But not because of the way that you're speaking is, 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 is not manners or because I'm waiting for you to say please, but because the way that you're speaking is the evident that you don't have a heart yet that I'm ready to bless because I don't want to bless a timid heart. I don't want to bless a heart who asks for things like if I'm not going to give it to him. I don't want to bless a heart that doubts. I don't want to bless a heart that, 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 that doesn't believe that I'm actually going to answer. I want to bless a heart that is evident within that heart that they are confident that I am going to reply. I want to benefit a heart who I can, that I can see with the shameless audacity that comes out of their mouth. See, I, I, I can use my imagination to see how the conversation went. Uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, uh, God, uh, 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 Tom, uh, I was just hoping uh, I got a friend need some bread, uh, and, I, and I can smell the bread. Uh, I can, it's right there, and, uh, and I also know this is a one-bedroom house. Uh, in fact, I can see you in the window. Uh, you're looking at me right now, and, uh, and I just I just want to know if uh, if you wouldn't mind, maybe please, kind of if, you, if it's not too much if it's not too much work. Uh, sound familiar? If it's not too much work, God, if it's just, if you could just maybe just get up and, and give me some bread, go away. Don't come at me with that. But um. All of a sudden, the voice gets a little raised. Well, but, 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 but I got a friend, and uh, and and he and, and he really, and he really he really needs this right now. And so I need you to please do this for me. Go away. Hey, now hold on a second. I can smell the bread, and I know that you hear me, and I know that it's right there. Get me some bread, please. Go away. Now hold up. Now this is where this is where it breaks. This is where it all comes together. But you said that if I ever needed something to come to you and ask, and you would give it. So I want you to know I ain't going nowhere until you do what you said you would do. Open up, open up, open up, open up, open up, open up, open up. You said it in your word. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Give and it will be given to you. You told me I'm not here on my own accord. I'm here led by the Holy Spirit. I'm here led under the ordinance of your word. And I am ready for you to do what you said you would do. You told me to come if I needed something. Well, I need something. And all of a sudden, God gets up. Aha! That's what I was waiting for. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to tease you. I wasn't trying to torture you. I was trying to turn your timidity into audacity. I was trying to turn your doubt into faith. I was trying to turn your weakness into strength. I was trying to turn your emptiness into fullness. I was trying to turn your brokenness into wholeness. I had to wait. I had to pull back. I had to. Would you stand on your feet? Here's what I want you to do. I have a whole other thing. That's like half my message. I, but I feel it. I feel him. Here's what I need you to do. Some of you guys have been facing some frustration in your life. You've been asking God for things and he's been far away. You've been believing God for things, but they haven't been, it hasn't been falling your way. You've been, you've been, well, you said, well, you said, and, and, maybe, and maybe it's not, or maybe you're, you're going fine. But here, this has hurts a lot too. You're going fine, but you're thinking, I just need to get to that next level. I'm tired of this level of Christianity that I'm at. I want to get to the next level in my ministry, in my calling, in my work. I want to, I want to get my next level in the job. I want to, I want to advance, Lord. I, but my love for you, in, in what I believe like there's another place in, in this walk relationship with you that I'm supposed to get to, and, and I'm not there. And here's what I want you to do today. 
And I'm going to invite you to do today in a moment of worship and prayer. I want to invite you to leverage, not avoid, but leverage the frustration that you feel. And let the frustration of your prayer. Are you ready for this? Listen, two things that I... That I, I, I you, frustration is not the evidence that prayer isn't working. It's the proof that it is. It's the proof that it is. I had to get that off. If you're frustrated, it's because you're reaching out for something that God promised you. Keep reaching, keep swinging, keep moving. And here's my last one for you to remember and take home. God doesn't want perfection. He wants persistence. Go again. Lift again. Swing again. Pray again. Knock again. Call out again. But you said, but you said. Now watch the timidity inside of everything that drains you of hope begin to fill you up with hope. Can we do that? Let's do that right now. Right where you are. I want to invite you to have a conversation with the Lord. To lift up your hands. To begin to declare and proclaim things over your life that you've been fighting for. That you've been waiting for. That you've been asking God to do. Right now is your chance. And don't you come with no weak prayer, alright? People say, well that's my style. I'm a quiet person. That's fine. If you'd have taken that style with the guy and the bread, you'd have been outside with your style. But that's my style. I don't like to, I don't like to demand. I don't like to, that's not my... God said, call out unto me with audacity. So right where you are, come on, lift an arm. Call out to God with audacity. Call out to God with audacity. Tell him, you said, you said you'd multiply my business. You said that you'd multiply my family. You said my marriage would be happy. You said my husband was on the way. You said my kids would be saved. You said my children would be saved. You said it. You said it. And so I declare it in Jesus' name. Come on. Sometimes you got to lift it up to God. You don't have to have all the words. Just say something. God is looking back at you and he's saying, I know that you're broken and I know that you're tired, but say something to me. Just give me one word and I can work with you. Give me one prayer and I can work with you. Say something to God today. Say, Lord, I love you. Tell him, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. Our team will be ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com forward slash give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a blessed week.